like to better understand the Bible? How can you grow as a Christian and find personal peace? What happens at the second coming of Jesus? What is the relevance of Bible prophecy today? How do you identify a cult? What happens when you die? Here is your opportunity to find answers to these and many other questions by exploring 30 not only relevant, but life-changing topics that await your discovery. Welcome to Search for Certainty. I'm glad you could join us. I'm your host, Gail Fong, and with me in the studio today is Hannah Nakagawa. Welcome, Hannah. Thank you, Sister Gail. Well, our Bible study today is our day in the light of Bible prophecy. What does the future hold? Is anyone in charge? Can we look forward to the future with any confidence? Is there anything we can count on? So our lesson study today is about an ancient prophecy from the book of Daniel. The prophet Daniel's predictions have been amazingly accurate for the past 2,500 years. They speak with relevance to us today. They promise certainty for the 21st century. They reveal that God really is in control of history. And throughout history, the Bible has proven its accuracy in predicting the future. So this study is an outline of world history from Daniel's time to our time today. But before we turn to the book of Daniel, let us open with prayer. Spiritual things are spiritually discerned. Thank you, Hannah, for opening us with prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Thank you so much, Lord, for bringing us together today and to learn your words. Father, as we open your word, we invite your Holy Spirit to be with us. Lead us, guide us, and speak to each one of us, Lord, that we may find this amazing prophecy together. Lord, thank you so much for guiding us and your Holy Spirit's guidance. Pray all these things in Jesus' precious and loving name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Hannah. Well, we're just going to discover a few things about Bible prophecy before we begin. And let's turn to the ancient book of Isaiah. Hannah, if you could read for us Isaiah chapter 46, verse 9 and 10. Sure. The Bible says, Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there's no other. I am God and there's none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. Wow, Hannah, that's an amazing verse. Yes. So how yes. far reaching there is God's ability to reveal the future? Yes, it says declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things that are not yet done. So basically, God knows from the beginning to the end. He knows everything. Amen. We can certainly trust him. Mm. Well, let's turn to Amos chapter 3 and verse 7 because we want to know how does God reveal the future to his people. 
Amos 3.7. Thank you, Hannah. Yes, Amos 3.7. It says, Surely the Lord God does nothing unless he reveals his secret to his servant prophets. Amen. So he's going to reveal his secrets to his servants, the prophets. Yes. We need to go to the word of God Mm. to find the answers to God's secrets. Wow. So God has the ability to look into the future and foretell what is going on to take place centuries before the events come to pass. That's an amazing God Mm. that he would reveal such mysteries to us. That's right. It's his care and his love that he wants to reveal to us through his prophet. Otherwise, we will be very uncertain, not sure what we should trust. But he definitely uh, give us this reveal, his secret to us. Amen, Hannah. Mm. Well, as we see these prophecies fulfilled, our faith in God increases. One of the Bible's most significant prophecies regarding the future is found in the ancient book of Daniel, Daniel chapter 2. So we're going to really park ourselves on this chapter and study this chapter together. Hannah, would you like to read for us Daniel chapter 2, verses 1 to 3? Because we want to look at what unusual thing happened to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. Sure. Uh, Daniel chapter 2, verse 1 and 3 says, Now in the second year of Nebuchadnezzar's reign, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams, and his spirit was so troubled that his sleep left him. Then the king gave the command to call the magicians, the astrologers, the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans to tell the king his dream. So they came and stood before the king. And the king said to them, I have had a dream and my spirit is anxious to know the dream. Wow. Mm. So this is going back um, to about 600 BC. And at that time, Hannah, Dreams, they were counted as very important. Yes. It's quite interesting. Mm. The ancients regarded dreams with awe, and they treated them as revelations from their deities and sought to discover their true interpretation. Mm. Is this a positive dream or is this a bad omen? Interesting. It is interesting. He's um, very anxious. He's very troubled. Um, Yeah, he's very anxious and he really wants to know this dream. Yes. So as he asks for an interpretation, as he asks, who who did he call there in chapter 2 that you read? Yes, it was magicians, astrologers, sorcerers and Chaldeans. They are basically um, known to be wise people um, in Babylon, um, but they were not people who believed in God in heaven. They were more, um, yeah, believe in magic or different power. That's amazing you said that because we're going to discover a little later in the chapter that the only God they did not know was the true and living God, the creator God. Yes. But yes, Nebuchadnezzar relied on them very heavily Mm. for the interpretation. But sadly, they were unable to help. And miraculously, God had hid the dream from Nebuchadnezzar's Mm. mind. 
And if the king could have remembered the dream, maybe the psychics, maybe they would have been able to make up a plausible interpretation. But the wise men of Babylon, yes, Hannah, they utterly failed. That is true. So, Hannah, if moving in along in this uh, dream and interpretation, if you would read for us verse 11 of chapter 2. Yes, it says, It is a difficult thing that the king requested, and there is no other who can tell it to the king except the gods whose dwelling is not with flesh. Yes, as we commented just just a little pre earlier, it's interesting. Although they were considered so wise, that's right. They they could admit they did not know mm, the that's true. living God, the true God that dwells not with flesh. Yeah, that is true. Well, when these men could not reveal the king's dreams, what did Nebuchadnezzar do? Daniel chapter two. Verse 12 and 13, if you'd read that for us, Hannah. Yes, it says, For this reason the king was angry and very furious and gave the command to destroy all the wise men of Babylon. So the decree went out and they began killing the wise men and they sought Daniel and his companions to kill them. Wow. <laughs> so the king was very angry. That is right. Oh, he was someone, um, yeah, very cruel. Like he tried to kill everyone, all the wise men. He was very angry and furious. It's interesting in those times of the Assyrians and the Babylonians, they were very cruel mm. um, to anyone who they would have considered uh, an enemy. And the Bible even says there in the earlier verses in that chapter that they would be cut in pieces or they would be, they would be, um, yes, he had in mind actually dismembering them. Wow. That's how serious Mm. uh, their fate could be. That's true. Probably because Nebuchadnezzar trusted them and hired them to interpret this things for him but because they couldn't do a good job it was it upset him a lot and he decided to kill that's them. true Hannah and he considered they possibly were withholding the mm. information from him that is right mm. but Daniel was a little different Daniel was a Hebrew captive in the king's court and educated in the University of Babylon. He too was considered one of Babylon's wise men. He certainly was not a psychic, fortune teller or astrologer, Mm. but he was one of the educated elite of Babylon. Mm. And when the king's soldiers sought to kill him, what did Daniel do? If you'd read for us Daniel chapter 2, verse 16 to 18, Hannah. Yes, it says, So Daniel went in and asked the king to give him time, what he might tell the king the interpretation. Then Daniel went to his house and made a decision known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions, that they might seek mercy from the God of heaven concerning this secret, so that Daniel and his companions might not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Wow. Mm. 
it's amazing that he had another friends <laughs> who followed God. It's always great to have friends that, that right. you can pray with. Mm, yes, um, and they、um, might seek mercy from God. They prayed to God and asked God of heaven. Amen, Hannah. They were not fearful、mm. of the decree. They had confidence、yes. in their God、yes. that God would solve this problem.、Mm. They did not know how, but they wanted time to pray. Yes. So Daniel asked the king for time. Yes, and. That he could pray to the God of Heaven, who reveals all secrets, as we read earlier,、mm. as we began our study, and he did have that confidence. God would solve this problem. So in Daniel two nineteen, after Daniel and his fellows sought God earnestly, how was the dream and its interpretation revealed to Daniel? Yes, it says then the secret was revealed to Daniel in a night. Vision, so Daniel blessed the God of Heaven. So it was revealed in a night vision, all because they took it to the Lord in prayer. Yes, yes, and I find it very、um, amazing that Daniel was sleeping, even, <laughs> even though、um, he might be killed. But even so, he had the peace. He trusted God, and he was sleeping. And that was how God revealed to him、um, through the night vision. So that's、It's、amazing. It's amazing.、Mm. You know, Hannah, on on the weekend, I took my briefcase to church because I was going to do a Bible study with some young people in the afternoon. And unbeknownst to me, someone accidentally took my briefcase, thinking、oh. it belonged to their family member. And so when I went to get my briefcase, it was not there. I had my computer and everything、oh. in, so I was quite anxious. And I discovered this about an hour before I needed it. Wow! So I actually I said a prayer and I said to the Lord, I said, "Oh Heavenly Father, if it be Thy will, I need my I need、yes. my computer back by two thirty so I can <laughs> do this Bible study." And. Through some very kind friends that were helping me and ringing around, we discovered that accidentally my bag had been taken instead of someone else's, and they were able to bring it back. Oh, they brought it、Lord. back about two thirteen、oh. p.m. So it's right in time, and I was just thanking the Lord、Amen. that He hears and answers prayer. Amen. That is amazing. God is so good, but my life was not on the line like Daniel's and his friend. But God revealed it to Daniel, and he had faith,、yes. believing this was the same dream that was given、yes. to King Nebuchadnezzar. Yes, that is.、Amazing. Although he has not gone in before him yet、mm. with what God has shown him. Well, who did Daniel say was the only one who could make known the dream and its meaning in verse twenty-eight of chapter two? Yes, it says, "But there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets, and He has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. Your dream and the visions of your head upon your bed were these." Wow. So Hannah, the God of the universe, is the only one who can reveal the future. Yes, that's right. As、oh, we read, it、earlier. is very inspiring. As he said, there is a God in heaven who can reveal the secret. Ah,、oh, that is so true. I think of that verse as you were saying that 
that says our God is a very present help yes. in t- trouble. Mm. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Yes. Psalm 46 verse 1. It, I'm sure they were experiencing this verse and yes. this promise to his that fullness. That is true. That is so true. Well, to what time period does the dream apply mm. in Daniel 2 verse 28? Yes. So uh, that verse... Um, after he said, but there is a God in heaven who will reveal the secrets and he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. So in the latter days, it's talking about the future in the time of the end. Yes. So Hannah, the last days of earth's history. Yes, last days of wow. earth's history. So the king's dream focuses on the end times. Mm. Wow. And it foretells events that occur at the close of this earth's history. Mm. I believe we're living in those times. And our next study that we do together, we'll be looking at some of those signs. Signs, But what did Daniel say King Nebuchadnezzar had seen in his dream? Mm. Verse 31 to 35 of chapter 2. Yes, the Bible says... You, O king, were watching, and behold, a great image. This great image, whose splendor was excellent, stood before you, and its form was awesome. This image's head was of fine gold, its chest and arms of silver, its belly and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, and uh, its feet partly of iron and partly of clay. You watched while a stone was cut out without hands, which stuck the image on its its feet of iron and clay and broke them in pieces. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver and the gold were crushed together and became like chaff from the summer threshing floor. And the wind carried them away so that no trace of them was found. And the stone that stuck the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. Wow. Mm. So he saw this great image. Yes. <laughs> and other scenes, of course, along the way. Yes. Well, it kind of makes sense that Nebuchadnezzar was anxious and really wanted to know what it means in the first place because, yeah, this is very interesting um, image, that a dream that he saw. It truly is, Hannah. Mm. I can't wait for us to unpack it today. Yes. Well, what do the different metals in this great image represent. What does the Bible say? Mm. Verse 38 to 40. Yes. The Bible says, and wherever the children of man dwell, or the beasts of the field and the birds of the heaven, he has given them into your hand and has made you ruler over them all. You are this head of gold. But after you shall arise another kingdom inferior to yours, then another, a third kingdom of bronze, which shall rule over all the earth. Wow. Mm. So, Hannah, the different metals in this great image were to represent kingdoms. Yes. Wow. And successive kingdoms, Mm. not just one, kingdoms that were going to dominate the world. Mm, Very interesting. Yes. Interesting. God begins with Babylon and the prophet traces the destiny of the nations 
through the centuries. So just adding on to that, we're just going to look here at the corresponding metals that make up the image in verse 32 and 33. Yes, it says, This image's head was of fine gold, its chest and arms of silver and belly and sides of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly of clay. Mm. Wow, <laughs> a metallic image of different metals. Yes, yeah, um, gold and silver and bronze and iron and iron and clay. Interesting that moving from the head to the feet, the value of the metals yes. decreases. That is true, that is true. Mm. So we need to unpack this a little further yes. with the Bible being our interpreter, mm. the Holy Spirit guiding us in our study. Amen. So we want to identify the kingdoms. Now, whom does the Bible identify as the head of gold? And what kingdom does this head of gold represent in verse 38? Hannah, and the last part. Yes, um, Daniel said this to uh, King Nebuchadnezzar. He said, you are this head of gold. And King Nebuchadnezzar was king of Babylon. So that means um, you, that is king of Babylon, Babylon um, is the, this part of gold, the first part. I think he would have been happy with yes. that. <laughs> I think so too. It's good to be the head. Mm. And he was a very proud monarch, as we've been reading. So gold, yes, it was a fitting symbol for Babylon. And it was used lavishly throughout the empire. The golden image of Balmarduk, the chief god of Babylon, sat on a golden throne beside a golden candlestick before a golden table. Wow. Belmarduk's temple contained 18 tons of gold. Mm. 8.5 tons of gold in the altar and throne alone. God knew exactly what he was doing when he used gold as a symbol wow. of Babylon. Interesting, Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom ruled the world from 605 BC to 539 BC. A metal, he represents the king of Babylon, Hannah, as you have said. But sadly, Babylon was not going to last forever. Mm. It would be overthrown by a second dominant world power. Well, what metal follows gold and what kingdom would arise? What nation conquered Babylon? Mm. Henry, if you would read for us Daniel chapter 2, verse 32 and 39. 32. It says, This image um, head was of fine gold, its chest and arms of silver, its belly and thighs of bronze. So this chest part was silver. In verse 39 it says, But after you shall arise another kingdom inferior to yours, then another a third kingdom of bronze, which shall rule over all the earth. Excellent. So Hannah, we've identified the metal there is silver. silver. And yes, an inferior kingdom. Yes. Now if you turn to Daniel chapter 5, verse 26 
to 28 for another key. Daniel chapter 5, 26 to 28, it says, This is the interpretation of each word. Mene, God has numbered your kingdom and finished it. Tekel, you have been weighted in the balance and found wanting. Verse 28, uh, Pears, your kingdom has been divided and given to the Medes and Persians. Wow. So Hannah, who's identified here as the inferior kingdom that conquered Babylon? It is Medo-Persia. Yes. Interesting. Mm. And the Medes and Persians overthrew the Babylonians in 539 B.C., beginning with the leadership of the Persian king Cyrus. They ruled from 539 B.C. to 331 B.C. Each of these empires was a dominant world power that aggressively oppressed God's ancient people. Amazing. Mm. Well, which metal follows silver? What kingdom would overthrow the Medes and the Persians? Daniel 2.39. Thank you, Hannah. Yes. After you shall arise another kingdom inferior to yours, then another, a third kingdom of bronze, which shall rule over all the earth. So that was bronze and that was the third kingdom. Excellent. Mm. Now to identify that bronze kingdom using the Bible as our interpreter. Hannah, would you read for us Daniel chapter 8, verse 20 and 21? Yes. The Bible says, The ram which you saw, having the two horns, they are the kings of Media and Persia. And the male god is the kingdom of Greece. The large horn that is between its eye is the first king. Amazing. Wow, so much detail. Yes. Bible is very precise. It says that the third kingdom, um, is, it is Greece. Amen. So the nation of Greece overthrew the Medes and the Persians, according to history, in 331 BC. The prophet Daniel describes the Greeks in two ways, as you have mentioned and as you've read, Hannah. Yes, first as bronze in the image of Daniel 2. The Greeks were known for their bronze-plated armory. Wow. (laughs) Amazing, isn't it? Mm. And second, the prophet, as you have read, describes a fierce battle between a ram and a he-goat in chapter 8 of Daniel. And he clearly identifies Greece as a goat that trampled down the media Persia the ram. Wow, it is amazing that the color and their bronze-plated armor, it's, it's matching as well that people would identify it easily. Wow, that is amazing. God is interested in detail, isn't mm. he, Hannah? He truly does reveal his secrets to his servants, the prophets. Yes. He truly wants us to understand mm. these mysteries. Wow. Amazing God. He is Well, how is the fourth world dominant power described in Daniel chapter 2 and verse 40? Yes, it says, And the fourth kingdom shall be as strong as iron, inasmuch as iron breaks in pieces and shatters everything, and like iron that crashes, the kingdom will break in pieces and crush all the other. 
Wow. Mm. Sounds strong. <laughs> Interesting. Mm. So iron, yeah, very strong metal there. Yes. But a crushing kingdom. Yeah. It's interesting, Hannah. The Roman Empire conquered the Greeks in 168 BC. Mm. The Romans ruled the world during the time of Christ. The ancient historian Edward Gibbon, in his book Decline and Fall of the Roman Empire, referred to the Iron Monarchy of Rome, using the exact expression from the Bible. Wow. It's amazing, isn't it? Mm. And I'm sure there's many other identifying artifacts that would confirm Rome yes, as well. Yes, that is true. Well, what significant events would occur next? Would a fifth world ruling empire arise to overthrow Rome? Mm. What does verse 41 yes. say? It says, Where's you saw the feet and toes, partly of potter's clay and partly of iron. The kingdom shall be divided, yet the strength of the iron shall be in it, just as you saw the iron mixed with ceramic clay. Mm. It doesn't sound like another kingdom um, overthrow Rome. It says, um, yeah, it's, the kingdom shall be divided. Wow. So different from all the other interpretations. Mm. I can only imagine that King Nebuchadnezzar is sitting on the edge of his seat, <laughs> on the edge of his throne. That is true. <laughs> as Daniel is opening up to him as God has revealed to Daniel yes. the interpretation mm. and had given Daniel the exact same dream. Mm. Amazing God. That is amazing when this dream was given, they did not know what would happen. But now we can look back to history and see, wow, that's been fulfilled. We can see that. That is so true, Hannah. Mm. And I wonder if this section right now that we're reading, it actually is so relevant for us today. Yes. Absolutely. Mm. Well, correct. The prophet Daniel predicted that the Roman Empire would be divided. The breakup of the empire occurred from A.D. 351 to A.D. 476. Daniel continued, but they will not adhere to one another in verse 43. Hannah, would you read that for us as well. Yes, as you saw iron mixed with ceramic clay, they will mingle with the seas of men, but they will not adhere to one another, just as iron does not mix with clay. Amazing. Mm. History has followed this prophecy like a blueprint. Dictators and rulers have attempted to unite Europe through the centuries, but have absolutely failed. Mm. You know, as reading about some of those which we'll mention uh, perhaps after our next question. But the Roman Empire was divided. The divisions of the empire into the eastern and western sections formed the foundation of the nations located in Europe today. 
It's interesting because there were the ten divisions of Western Europe. Yes, like ten um, like toes. <laughs> like the ten toes, Hannah. Yes. It's very interesting. Mm. And just naming them here, the Anglo-Saxons who were England, the Franks from France, the Alamanni from Germany, the Burgundians the Swiss from Switzerland, the Lombards from Italy, the Visigoths from Spain, the Suvi from Portugal, and then there were the Ostrogoths, the Vandals, and the Heruli, which have actually, those three tribes have all disappeared from history. Mm. And that's another Bible study. Yes. <laughs> Amazing. Mm. Well, would the nations of Europe ever be united into one cohesive, lasting political nation again. Mm. Hannah, we probably have an idea of this answer, but let's read the Bible. Yes. Verse 42 and 43. Yes, it says, And as the toes of the feet were partly of iron and partly of clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly fragile. As you saw are mixed with ceramic clay, they will mingle with the seed of men, but they will not adhere to one another, just as iron does not mix with clay. Hmm. This a little bit similar to how water and oil does not mix each other. Um, iron and clay does not mix. And even though people will mingle, people will probably get married and seed will mingle, but it doesn't come one, become one as a nation or as yeah, political um, entity. That's so true, Hannah. And you do find that there was a lot of intermarriage in yes, Europe, yes. but it didn't bring peace and harmony mm. amongst the different mm. countries there. Actually, sadly, it brought on World War One. That is true. Well, as you have read there, Hannah, oppression of God's people does not last forever. And although the Roman Empire lasted longer than any prior empire, no small feat and of itself, God saw that ultimately oppressive regimes would collapse. God's word is clear. These seven prophetic words, they shall not cleave one to another, which was what we were just sharing and yes. talking about, have stopped Every would-be conqueror of Europe through the centuries, throughout history, political leaders such as Charlemagne, Charles V, Louis XIV, Napoleon, Hitler and Stalin have attempted to dominate by uniting Europe. You know, I didn't know a lot about uh, Louis XIV, so I just looked up a little bit about him and it was very interesting Hannah that he gave himself the name the Sun King oh he saw France as a kingdom that revolved around him just like planets revolved around the Sun and he wanted his empire to be the kingdom <laughs> of Europe wow. but God said no. They would not cleave, they would not adhere one to another. Yes, that's true. It did not come to pass. Well, each of these 
dictators, each has desperately failed. Communism stretched its tentacles across Europe. One nation after another fell into its grasp. But communism failed. Mm. The Berlin Wall came down. Freedom triumphed. Bible prophecy is accurate. Amen. We can truly trust God. The future is really and truly in God's hands. Well, he will safely lead us and guide us. Yes. And I love that verse in Psalm 119, 105. I'm sure you know it too, Hannah. Yes. Thy word is a lamp unto my my feet feet and a light unto my my path. And that's our theme song that plays. How amazing is that? Mm. So we truly are being guided by God's word and through the Holy Spirit guiding us every time we study together. Well, in our world's divided state, the world cannot cope with the destructive forces of our time. Ruin of the environment, nuclear threat, collapsing economies, crime, famine, overpopulation, exhaustion of resources. Total cooperation and quick action through a single world government are now seen as urgent. The great physicist Albert Einstein warned, one world or none. A new world order is precisely the message of Daniel. But who will fulfill the global dream? Mm. Well, let's turn to Daniel chapter 2, verse 44 and 45. What will be the next event in history? Is there hope for us today? Yes, it says, and in the days of these kings of uh, kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to other people. It shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. Inasmuch as you saw that the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, and that it broke in pieces the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold. The great God has made known to the king what will come to pass after this. The dream is certain, and its interpretation is sure. How powerful is that, Hannah? So, according to the Bible, what will be the next event in history? Will there be a... A lasting one world. Yes, God of government. heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. What a hope. Amen. Jesus is coming. Yes. The rock of ages. I love how you read there, and as the Bible writer Daniel put it, the dream is certain, mm. the interpretation is sure. Yes. So trustworthy. Mm. Wow, this is so relevant for us today, Hannah. We're living in the toenails of That's time. That's right. We know where we are living in this statue. We are living in the time of the end. Amen. And the rock that represents the coming kingdom of God. Wow, soon all wickedness, evil and rebellion will be gone forever. The forces of evil will be crushed, destroyed and broken in pieces. Mm. And God will establish his everlasting kingdom forever. Amen. Wow. 
So, Hannah, you can face the future with confidence. The 21st century is bright with the promise of God. The future is in the hands of God. And I love the words of Jesus. That is a promise from Jesus in Matthew 25, verse 34. Hannah, if you would read these assuring verses. Yes. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Amen. Hope is on the way. Yes. Jesus has promised, I will come again. And now he's outlined where we are in the stream of time. Mm. You know, Hannah, it's always wonderful when you study the Bible to make a decision on what you have just learned and studied. Mm. And our decision today is, Lord Jesus, I choose to follow you in all things and be one of your children. I want to be remembered when you come into your kingdom. Would that be your desire, Hannah? Yes. Amen. Definitely. And I want to put my hand up for that as well. Yes. Amen. Oh. We thank God that he reveals to us the hidden secrets that can be understood mm. as they are interpreted through the scriptures. What an amazing God we serve, a coming king, yes. the rock of ages. Yes. Well, we thank you, our listeners, for being with us today. And I've really enjoyed this Bible study, Hannah. Yes, me too, Sister Keo. I was very blessed that there is hope coming very, very soon. Amen. And we pray that our listeners will come back and join us again. But before we go, let us pray. Our wonderful, loving Father in heaven, as you have taught us today through your word, we have experienced the joy of knowing where we are in the stream of time, of knowing that you are a God who knows the past, the present, and the future. You are our God as we claim you as our God and our Savior and coming King. You are faithful God who hears and answers prayer. And as you answered the prayer of your faithful servant, Daniel, and his three friends, we thank you that you hear us, you know us, and you understand us, and you long to give us confidence that you are there with us. Thank you that you're coming soon, that this world will soon come to an end, but there is a brighter world, a brighter hope, a brighter future, because your kingdom will stand fast forever. Mm. Bless every listener today. Bless dear Hannah, and thank you, Lord, for loving us first, for the forgiveness of all our sins, because we pray it in Jesus' most worthy name. Amen. Thank you for being with us today. God bless you and go in peace.
If you have questions or comments about any of the programs you've heard, you can call 3ABN Australia Radio within Australia on 02 4973 3456 or from outside of Australia on country code 612-4973-3456. Our email address is radio at 3abnaustralia.org.au. That is radio at the number 3abnaustralia, all one word, .org.au. Our postal address is 3ABN Australia Inc., P.O. Box 752, Morissette, New South Wales, 2264, Australia. Thank you for your prayers and financial support. Look for the way marks as you journey on. Look for the way marks passing one by one. Down through the ages, past the kingdom's fall. Where are we standing? Look the way marks soar. Look for the way marks, the great prophetic way marks. Down through the ages, past the kingdom's fall. Look for the way marks the great prophetic way marks the journey's almost over. First the Babylonian kingdom ruled the world, then me the Persia's banners were unfurled. And after Greece held universal sway, Rome seized the scepter. Where are we today? Down in the feet of iron and of clay, we can divide it soon to pass away. What will the next great glorious drama be? Christ and his coming and eternity. Look for the way marks, the great prophetic way marks down through the ages. Past the kingdom's fall. Look for the way marks the great prophetic way marks the journey's almost over. That was the King's Herald singing Look for the Waymarks. Coming up next, Carly Fletcher will sing Nothing in This World. There is nothing in this world that can truly satisfy me like Jesus, Jesus love. For his love is truly deeper. 
to God's Favourite Shepherds, a collection of 39 short stories rounding out the lives of mainly lesser-known Bible characters, with many of the stories ending with a short quiz. Listen now to the author of God's Favourite Shepherds, Bill Ackland. Today's story is entitled, briefly, A Twin. Doubting is dangerous. And this story is based on Matthew chapter 10, and John chapter 11 and 20. My young life was typical of a boy growing up in Jewish society. I was one of twin boys. However, it is not my purpose here to tell you about my brother, but about someone more important than a brother a boy could ever have. I was born in the time when many scholars of the sacred scriptures said that the Messiah was due to appear. This brought great joy to many, but did not please the religious leaders of our day. They certainly did not want to lose their power, which is what would have happened if the Messiah came and did all that was prophesied of him. And then one day, one fateful day, I came across a man who was preaching about the kingdom of heaven. I was drawn to his message, and particularly to him. I don't know what it was, for in some respects he was much like the other men of our time, but there was something different about him. It seemed that the light of heaven was in his eyes, and as he looked at the people, you could tell that he loved them. Thousands flocked about him every day. One day when I was thinking deeply about the things he had told us, I suddenly realised he was looking at me. He said, Thomas, I want you to follow me. I forgot all about what I was engaged in and responded willingly to his invitation to be his disciple. I did not know what was before me, but from my knowledge of the scriptures, I knew that this man was indeed the Messiah. Early in his ministry, Jesus Christ, for that is who he was, called other men to follow him, just as he had called me. We listened intently to what he had to say. We were amazed that we had never heard these words before or even thought about the principles of his teaching, for they were expressed in a new and refreshing way. It was like a cool evening breeze from the Sea of Galilee flowing over us and banishing the oppressive heat of the day. There is so much I could tell you about life with Jesus, 
that it wasn't an easy life we lived. We counted it as nothing compared to the honour we had of being in his presence and listening to his words of life. We hoped that his ministry would continue for many years, but we knew something dreadful was ahead of our master. We tried to dismiss what he said from our minds, hoping that things would get better and better. One evening, when we celebrated the Passover, he told us that one of us would betray him to the authorities that very night. I cannot bear to think of how events unfolded that night and the following day, when our hearts felt like they had been torn out of our bodies. Our much-loved Saviour was tortured and then crucified. He died on a dreadful Roman cross. I was naturally of a doubtful disposition, so I found it very difficult to understand that we would see our dear Lord again, even though he had said that he would rise from the grave. So when the other disciples told me that he had appeared to them in a locked room that the very night of his resurrection and had spoken to them when I was absent, I just could not believe it. I told them that I would not believe it until I had placed my hands in the wounds in, in his body. What a surprise was in store for me eight days later. We're all meeting together. I was present this time. Jesus suddenly appeared amongst us. After greeting us with words of peace, he turned to me and invited me to put my finger into his wounds in his hands and to place my hand in the wound in his side. He then told me not to doubt, but believe. This cut right to my heart, for I knew that I did not have to touch his wounds, and right there I bowed before him and said, My Lord, my God. My mind then flashed back to the occasion when I had given voice to my doubts. On one occasion he had told us that he was going to prepare a place for us in the mansions of God, and that he would come back and take us to be with him. At that time I could not understand what he had said, so I said, Lord, we have no idea where you are going, so how will we be able to get to that place? And then, when we were about to go with him to Bethany several days after Lazarus had died, I said to the other disciples, we may as well go and die with him there. I was sure the authorities had set a trap for our master, and that would be the end of his ministry and the end of our lives. However, everything changed for me when Jesus invited me to touch his wounds. Never again did I doubt that our precious Saviour had risen. In a few weeks, we saw him ascend to heaven and we heard the reassuring words of the angels who had come down to accompany him. They told us this very same Jesus would come back again one day in a similar manner as we had just seen him ascend into the clouds. This greatly encouraged us and after the Holy Spirit descended upon us at Pentecost, we were changed men. We went to all the places he had told us to go to, preaching the gospel as we went. I particularly like the challenge of going to the furthest corners of the earth. Perhaps I could do that. Maybe I would even go to that far distant land of India that was part of the Persian Empire hundreds of years ago. Whatever was ahead of me, I was determined never to doubt my Saviour's words again. You may know me as Thomas, which is my name in Aramaic. 
I was one of the twelve disciples. I was also called Didymus, which is my name in Greek. Both names mean twin. You've been listening to God's Favoured Shepherds, a book with 39 short stories rounding out the lives of mainly lesser-known Bible characters. If you have any comments or questions, or to obtain a copy of this book, give us a call within Australia on 02-4973-3456 or send an email to radio at 3abnaustralia.org.au. We'd love to hear from you. You've been listening to a production of 3ABN Australia Radio.